0: It's doing good. It's good to be here this morning. Uh, welcome. Um, I don't think I have really any announcements tonight. We have our Bible study tonight at six o'clock. We're excited about that. Otherwise, we're just going to go ahead and jump in this morning. Um, I'm excited. This is I think our second or third week, third week, uh, in talking about the, the essence of spiritual maturity. Sorry, I don't have the little flyer on the screen this morning, but uh, talk about growing up in Christ. We're going to talk about getting on the pathway, as we talked a little bit last week, on maturity. Um, none of us, when we're born naturally, are born an adult. Uh, we have to, we're born a baby, we're born a baby, and we have to grow, we have to mature. Physically, uh, mentally, uh, socially, and also spiritually. And to say the same is true when we're born again. We're never born mature. We have to grow in grace. We have to thank God for His grace that initiated that salvation. When we put faith in His grace, we were saved. We were born again. But we have to grow. And we have to continue to grow. Even as adults, we continue to grow. We continue to eat. We continue to learn. We continue to be nurtured uh, in, in many different ways. And spiritually, so, we need to... My first couple of weeks, I used a lot of different verses from Paul, Peter, James, John about us growing in this grace, growing and maturing in the word of in, in our relationship with God, um, in this spiritual life that we have. And we spent a lot of time, and there's a lot of scripture that says from all these apostle writers uh, about how we need to grow in grace and grow in the knowledge of God and mature. Uh, we want to be healthy. We want to be healthy spiritually. We want to be healthy in every area of our lives, but most importantly spiritually. We want to be healthy. We need to grow healthy. We need to have a good diet of, uh, in relationship with God. And so uh, last week we talked about a path, and we uh, 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 getting on a path of life. And uh, there's a lot of attributes I can focus on that, but I believe just in studying and also listening to, I mentioned I think the last couple weeks, uh, Dwayne Sheriff, who has a, a message called the Spiritual Growth Track, and our Elios uh, discipleship uh, program that we're going to be bringing back into our calendar in September and whatnot. We're going to be adding that class to our curriculum. Uh, and so I even have a sample one on our website, of, uh, the third lesson I'll get into next week. but I'm, And I'm not trying to necessarily reteach. What the Wayne Sheriff has, we'll do that in our Elios class. But he's given me an outline. Uh, he's given me an outline that he uses in his church. He uses for his leaders, for anyone who wants to grow and mature. And uh, he uh, he has seen in his own church and his own leadership that anyone, any church that will get on this path will mature. And that this path is a is a, is a uh, um, it's a, it's a safety net. It's a guide to Jesus. We need to feed on. We need a relationship with God. That's how we're going to grow. But there's certain things along this path that will help us grow. Will help facilitate that growth. Just like a a, a parent can't make their child grow, but there's certain disciplines and there's certain things they're going to do to enhance that to facilitate that. Making sure they have a good diet. Watching. Maybe who they socially uh, engage with. Uh, they can't always control everything, especially, but they can. They can uh, help facilitate that. They're going to school them. They're going to put them in schooling, Whether they homeschool them themselves, or whether they put them into an, edu- an institution, whether it be public or private. But they're going to make sure they get schooled and educated, both uh, academically but also socially. And And also, uh, hopefully they get to a good church where they're also going to be. And they're going to make sure that the church has a good program and a good system to educate and to spiritually feed their children. Those are just some attributes that a parent can't make the child grow, but it can facilitate that. I can't make anyone grow. The church can't make anyone grow. And the path can't make anyone grow. But it can help (coughs) facilitate the growth. And hopefully that will make sense as we get into this. Um, but uh, um, so with that mind, go ahead and turn with me in your the Bible we have them to Acts chapter two. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. The last few weeks when I just when I started preaching, my throat acts so up. I don't have any illness. I don't have any sickness. But my throat wants to cough, and so I just come against that in Jesus' name, and I'll be able to give the word. But uh, so just excuse me and for that, and we'll, we'll, we'll pile through. But Acts chapter 2, verses 40 to 42, this is going to be our main text for the next few weeks, and, and we're going to use some other scriptures, but this is going to be my main text that I'm up. You know, I'll explain some things as we, as we go forward, but let me just say this, you know, when we... We are blessed by God's grace, and we walk in that blessing, in His grace. And as we do, we also become a blessing to others. Thank God for His grace. But as we mature, we become a blessing to others. Hopefully even as children, as they grow and mature and finally graduate and have a career, they will be a blessing to others. They will be a blessing to their own families. They will be a blessing to society that we will be blessed to a church. And so one sign of maturity, we'll get into this as we get a little deeper into this, that we will not only be blessed ourselves, but we will also be fruitful, we'll be a blessing to others. Uh, an apple tree is not just a, an apple tree to be blessed for itself, but it has fruit for others to partake, so that they can be blessed by its fruit. And we want to be fruitful. We are the body of Christ. We're not an island to ourselves. Uh, but the best thing for me to do to bless you is for me to grow spiritually. The best thing I can do for my wife is that I have a relationship with God. If I don't have this relationship, I cannot be a blessing to her. And I cannot be a blessing as a pastor. So in one sense, we have to take care of ourselves so that we can be a blessing. But in taking care of ourselves, we should be a blessing. That should be one of the of many attributes of, of maturity. Does uh, uh, that makes sense? When we're not doing blessed, when we're not doing well, when we're not healthy, we can't be a blessing to others, if, even if we want to. We just don't have the capacity, because we're so self-centered in the moment, whatever we're dealing with. But as we are blessed, we can be a blessing to others. Hopefully, uh, this will come out further as we go, go to our study. Um, but we're here in Acts chapter 2, and I believe God has a specific path to help us for anyone who wants to grow. Let me just read the context and make some more comments. Look at verse 40. And with many other words, he, Peter, (laughs) excuse me, testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and on that that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. And the breaking of bread, <coughs> excuse me, and in prayers. Verse 42 again. And they, who's they? That they? There was 120 that started in one accord in the upper room. And God just said that in the previous verse that he added 3,000 souls who were being saved. So there was 3,120 people, and they continued steadfastly in four things: the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. And we're going to spend some time on each one of these, but there's four things, uh, and let me just say it this way, there are four spiritual food groups that they were faithful They continue steadfastly in all four of these. And we're going to use this as our path, in, in a sense. It's one path, but four aspects of that path. Just like uh, uh, the, the, a natural food group, we need to have fruits and vegetables. But we also need protein. We also need meat. We also need uh, bread and different things. And we need other things to be healthy and, uh, and everything in its proper balance. And as we d- partake of these four elements in proper balance, you know, even, even growing up, I ate so many carrots, I turned yellow. Carrots are good for you. I don't know if being yellow was so much good for you. Uh, I don't think it had any other negative uh, attributes to that. But tr- being yellow was not normal. Uh, there was just not, not something normal about that. I'm glad it was yellow, not blue or some other color. You know, I didn't want to be a Smurf. You know. Um, but uh, anyway, it's just uh, so we need to partake of things in proper balance. And as we do that, we will have balanced growth. And these things are not the source in them of themselves. Jesus is our source. Jesus is always our main diet. But these things will help us, will assist us in our growth. Just like naturally, we need some other elements. God is our source. And the food is not the source and different things. Our parents are not the source. But there are tools, there are resources that will help us mature naturally. The same thing. We need some things in our diet to help us grow spiritually. Okay, Is that making sense so far? Um, and uh, we we need to partake of these things in balance together. We can't get off balance with just one thing. But at the same point in time, and um I'm just reading my notes, I I, I got ahead of myself. So um, let me just make this point. You know. God added 3,000 people to the church in one day. And we'll get back to that a little bit later in our study. But if God added 3,000 people to this church, we would need a building for sure. (laughs) And we we wouldn't adjust it. But if God added 3,000 people to this church, or maybe your church if you're watching online, and you were the pastor, what would you do? What did Peter do? What did the early church do? And when the church began to grow, remember Acts chapter 2 is the birth of the church. The church began in this context, and God began to add to the church. And as the church was born, as the church began to become established, what did the church do? This is what the church did. And and, and not just this verse, but also the the context here. But this is what the church did. And if it was good enough for them, I believe it's good enough for us. The principle. I'm not so much looking at some of the the, the, the specifics of something because it's a different culture, a different era. But there's some principles here that we, we can that they did so that they could grow. Not just in number. We do want to multiply, we do want to be effective, we do want to reach our world, we do want to make disciples of all nations, we do want to evangelize. But we also want healthy growth. We want good growth. And and Even a child, once it grows, and it grows healthy, when it becomes of age, and through the proper proper channels, we do want them to have their own offspring. We do want them to multiply. We Yes, we want them to multiply in the the context of marriage, not outside of marriage, and we want them to grow healthy, but we do want them to succeed. We do want them to grow, and we do want them, in a sense, to multiply. But as they mature, as they grow, and they grow healthy growth. We want good growth in our lives. We want good growth. Uh, We all affect people. People influence us, and we influence other people, for the good or the bad. And I want to influence people for the good. I don't want to be a negative influence to people. I want to be a positive influence to people. And so people watch our lives, and people influence us. People have influenced us to be where we are today. I thank God for Andrew and other people who have influenced me for good. Thank God for Paul and Peter and James and the, the, the letters that they wrote by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That I am where I am today. And so all these things influence us, but as the Word of God gets in us and we walk with God, I want to influence people. Whether it be from a pulpit, and not, my, not everyone's going to preach from a pulpit, but just ministry, just being in life, being at Walmart, being at a gas station, being around family. I want to influence people for the good, and we want to grow healthy. that makes sense? And we, so we want to grow, grow in many different aspects, but we want to grow in the root. We want the root system to be good. We want the core to be good. We want our hearts to be good. We want our attitudes to be good. We want our doctrine, our theology, what we believe to be good. And we, we need the root system to be good, and the rest will take care of itself. You water and you fertilize that, that grass, that flower, that plant. You feed that child a good diet, have a good home, and have, you're not going to have things perfect. Even in the grass, you're going to have weeds that pop up. You're going to have things happen, but there's growing pains to growing. There's growing pains to maturity. We're not going to do everything perfectly, but we want to be in a good environment where a farmer, a gardener, a parent, a child, a mentor, a pastor can help us along the way. And we need the body of Christ. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself on some thoughts, but we need these things. We need the doctrine. We need to be in the Word of God, and specifically the Apostles' teaching. I'm going to get into that in a minute. And uh, we need uh, sound doctrine. We need fellowship. We're going to get into the breaking of bread. We need a covenant relationship with God that affects, in a sense, a covenant relationship with others. We'll get into that a little bit later. And we need prayers. We need to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to, to see some things happen. We need to, we need to pray. We need to, and we're talking about that on Sunday nights. in our better way to pray. Uh, and we'll get into that m- more, uh, more in depth as we get closer. But as we need to do all three, all four of these things, we're going to start with the Apostles' doctrine, not only because it's listed first, but it's, 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 it's vital because everything else is affected by the Apostles' teachings. We want to know what the Word of God says about fellowship. We want to know what the Word of God says about breaking the bread. We want to know what the Word of God says about prayers. And more specifically, we want to know what the Apostles' doctrine says about it. The New Testament. I believe all Scripture is inspired by God, including the Old Testament. But the, 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 the New Testament explains what the Old Testament can, contains. We need to understand we are in a new covenant we have a new covenant with God and we need to understand from the apostles doctrine the new Testament te- we need to see from a new testament perspective how who God is who we are and who who others are so we can even interpret the old testament biblically and with a new testament mindset i'm getting a little ahead of myself on some of that what i just said but We'll get into it, and in, and uh, Mark, and also it's, I think it echoed in Matthew. But Jesus said, "You can't put new wine in old wine skins. You can't put the New Testament into the Old Testament, old Testament principles and teachings." We'll get into that in just a minute. Otherwise, it will be confusing, and I'll explain that in, in just a moment. Um, I just want to make sure I didn't I I miss something here. Before I go with that that topic that I just opened doors to, I'll I'll explain that in just a minute. Let me just say this, teaching is the beginning of growth. Even as a child, even as a toddler, or a young child at age five and six, even younger now, we learn to brush our teeth. We learn to take a bath. As we grew, we began to socialize with other kids. We learn to share. We learn some things socially. We learned some things, uh, just some hygiene and some taking care of ourselves. As we grew up, that responsibility and that knowledge grew in other areas of our lives and whatnot. We learned these things. But if we were never taught to brush our teeth, as a, a six-year, at the age of six, that would never be a priority. That would never be a desire and something that we desire to do every day. If we were never taught to brush our teeth. And as we age, the importance of brushing our teeth. Taking a bath, the same thing. They age five, age six, especially some boys. That would be the last thing on their minds. It's good that they take a bath. But they, and I'm just using some very basic things right now, but they were taught to brush their teeth. We we were taught to brush our teeth. We were taught to hygiene and taking care of ourselves. I was taught as a child to learn to share, share my toys and to share things. Uh, that didn't just become automatic. It's a desire of my heart now, because I'm I've grown up. I'm mature, not just as a in Christ, but also as an individual. But we were taught these things. Growth, but our maturity, it begins with knowledge. We have to be taught everything, uh, both socially, physically, naturally, and also spiritually. We need to be taught some things. Okay. Um, but we also need to be taught, not only spiritual. we need to be taught sound doctrine. We need to be taught the apostles' doctrine, the New Testament. Uh, we need, we need, that needs to be the foundation. That needs to be the premise. We need to learn that. Um, you see, Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, you don't have to turn there, but in the last days, people won't, won't put up with sound doctrine. He even says, and I'll paraphrase, they will, they will pay people to teach what they want them to hear. I don't want to just hear what I want to hear. I want to hear the truth. I want to hear, I wanna, and I want it to be grounded, not just in the Word of God, And yes, but I also want to be grounded in the Apostles' doctrine, in the New Testament theology. Uh, and I want it to be sound doctrine. Hope, does that make sense? Uh, hopefully I'll we'll dive deeper into this. But we need to be established, and, and, and let me just clarify, the word doctrine, is also means teachings. That's another way of describing that. I want to be grounded in the, the, the apostles' teachings, their, 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 their doctrine, what they believe. Uh, we, for example, some doctrines that we believe, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe in healing. We believe in forgiveness. We believe, there's certain things that we believe in. We believe that the Word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit. We believe it's our authority in all things. That's doctrine. That's teachings. And I want to understand those doctrines from a biblical perspective, but also in a New Testament perspective. Uh, that makes sense? And we're going to get into some of that. Excuse me. Yeah, I think I took there. But anyway, we'll get But if we don't understand it from a New Testament perspective, sometimes, especially when we read the Old Testament, we can get confused. And there's a lot of people confused out there about certain things. For example, um, in Galatians 3.13, in Galatians, anything in the New Testament uh, after the cross would be considered the Apostle's doctrine, or Apostle's teaching. Paul, an Apostle, taught in Galatians 3.13 that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He's redeemed us from the curse of the law. Jesus has redeemed us. If we don't understand that from a New Testament perspective, from an apostle's doctrine, we, we will be confused when, when we sin, when we fail. We'll think that God's going to punish us for our sins. God's not going to punish us for our sins. Why? Because he punished Jesus for our sins. That's the apostle's doctrine. In the Old Testament, we have, there was, and there's still consequences of sin. I'm not so much talking about that. There's natural consequences. But God's not punishing our sins. Why? Because he punished Jesus for our sins. Jesus was our propitiation. He was our sacrifice. He was our substitute. God's not going to punish our sins because he punished Jesus for our sins. Okay? Uh, Jesus has redeemed us from the curse. Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of law. And we need to understand that from a New Testament perspective so that when we read the Old Testament and some of the stories and some of the things that happened, we understand it now from a New Testament perspective. The cross changed everything. We are in a new covenant. We are in a new relationship, and that's going to come into effect when we get down to breaking the bread. We'll be talking about that a little bit later. Um... See, God will will never punish our sins because he punished Jesus. But we also need to be established in the Apostles' Doctrine. So that, as John says, I say these things so that you don't sin. But if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father. These teachings are not advocating us to sin because Christ is already punished for sin. No, we want to be free from sin. And we need to be established in the apostles' doctrine and the cross and the finished work of the cross so that we can be free from sin. We can be free from addiction. Same thing with healing. We don't, if we don't understand the apostles' doctrine, then we don't understand and the apostles' doctrine is based on the cross. It's based on the finished work of the cross. It's based on Jesus died and rose again. It's based on Jesus dealt with our sin. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteous of God in him. It's all based on that. It's based on the finished work of the cross. And when we understand that, when we're grounded in this this, 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 this proper good New Testament teaching, we will understand the Old Testament. Because I understand the Gospel better, I understand the book of Leviticus and other books different. I see that they were an allegory in many ways of what Jesus accomplished for us in the cross. And it's beautiful. But if I don't understand the Apostles' Doctrine, when I read the book of Leviticus, it can be very confusing. All these do's and don'ts and laws and blood and animal sacrifices. That was all Old Testament. But it's also a beautiful picture, description of what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. And when we understand and we're grounded in the Apostles' Doctrine, we will understand the Old Testament better. Or we better understand the New Testament better, as far as the Book of Revelation and other things. When we see God's grace, when we are, we have a revelation of the, His grace in the gospel. We will understand that the all Scripture is powerful for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so the man of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It making sense so far? We'll, we'll, we'll build on this a little bit as we go forward here. Another thing, too, as we talk about the apostles' doctrine and this confusion. Um, in the New Testament, particularly uh, one area where we can see this in Galatians chapter 4, but we see this in other scriptures, too. Moses represents the law, he represents that. Jesus talked about that, Paul talked about that. Re- Moses represents the law. And Moses was able to lead the people of Israel to the Promised Land, but he was not able to lead the people into the Promised Land. Moses, the, who represents the law, led them up to the door, to the to the river, the Jordan River, to up to the Promised Land, but he was not able to lead them into the Promised Land. The law is holy. The law is good. But the law can't make us holy. The law can't make us good if we keep it. It's holy. It's good. It was the blood of Jesus that even made the law holy, and that, 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 that's something we'll, we can even look at later. But the law, Moses, can lead them to the promised land, but it can lead us in, them into. The law can lead us to let us know that we are a sinner, that we need a Savior, but the law can't save us. And how do we learn that? We learn that from the Apostles' Doctrine. We learn that from the New Testament. We learn that from the finished work of the cross, as apostles explain what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. And as we are indoctrinated, as we are taught that, we understand, so we see some of the allegory that we see in the Old Testament. Okay? Um, see, the law reveals our sin, but makes us guilty before God. forgot. The law tells us that we need a savior. Um... But Joshua, Joshua, his name is Yeshua in the the Hebrew, which is, he he, he represents Christ. Where Moses represents the law, Joshua is an allegory of Christ. Joshua could do what Moses could not do. Jesus could do what the law could not do. Moses was able to lead us to the promised land, but not into the promised land. But Jesus can lead us into the promised land and conquer everything that the the, the enemies are. Sickness, death, addiction, uh, and all kinds of things. That the curse uh, is in our promised land. Joshua could do, Jesus could do, what Moses, the law, could not do. Okay? Uh, And we understand that when we are discipled and indoctrinated in the apostle's doctrine, we understand that. Uh, but when we don't see that, we, we're confused. In other words, because people don't understand that, a lot of people are still looking to the law. They're still loyal to the law to become saved. The law is good, and, the, and Paul talks about this in Corinthians. The law is law good when it's used lawfully. But how? It's used lawfully and pointing us that we are a sinner and we need a Savior. But the law can't save us. We can, we can keep the law forwards and backwards, and that will not give us salvation. We need Jesus. We need Jesus to lead us into the promised land, into salvation, and into and our inheritance in Christ Jesus. We need Jesus. And so we don't need to look to the law, Moses. We need to look to Jesus. The law will tell us we need Jesus. But that's where it stops. Moses had to die. He couldn't, he couldn't lead them into it. But Joshua led them into the promised land. That makes sense? And we learn that by being established in the Apostles' Doctrine, to the Word of God, into the New Testament theology, and, 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 and the New Testament covenant uh, uh, teachings. Okay? See, many, many people, because they're not taught properly, they are looking to the law or their ability to perform and keep the law to become righteous, to, to grow and to mature. I can't grow and mature by my ability. I grow and mature because of what he did. And as I feed on that, and I become established in that, I can grow. And I won't be like a child tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that will tell me otherwise. I will be grounded and established and mature. You know, there's just some certain things I learned as a child. I know that I know that I know 2 plus 2 equals 4. You can't convince me 2 plus 2 equals 5 or 2 plus 2 equals 3. You can't convince me that. Why? I've been taught. I know math. I know basic math. I might not know. I learned algebra. I don't know it now. I learned geometry. I don't know it now. I learned different things in school. I don't know it now because I, have, I haven't been around it. I could relearn it again. But I know basic math. I know how to add. I know how to subtract. I know how to divide. I know how to multiply. I know the basics. And you can't convince me otherwise. You you can't convince me that I need to that I need to uh, save myself by my performance. I know that I'm saved by putting my faith in His grace and what He did. I know that because the apostles' doctrine have taught me that. I became established. And in that aspect of theology, in that aspect of growth, I have matured. Uh, You know, as a child grows and they learn different things, math and different things, uh, other things of life and social things, hygiene things, as they grow, they become mature. It's not based on age. It's based on teaching and, and, and knowledge and being equipped to do life. I know some children that are more mature than some adults. You know, and it's not based on age. It's based on maturity. It's based on and be, being taught and being disciplined and, and, and learning well. Same thing spiritually. As, uh, those, are you know, some people, they've been a, a, a Christian a long time. And let me just make this statement. Just because I might be making some statements that might contribute to, could I be, as I talk about maturity, I'm going to be talking about immaturity. And just because someone is immature doesn't mean they're not a child of God. If you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you are a child of God, if you even if you are a babe in Christ, you are saved. You are born again. But just because you're born again, and heaven is your home, and God is your Father, and you are saved, if you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but just because you're born again if you don't grow in that grace if you don't grow in the knowledge of the grace you can still be a, you can be a spiritual babe all your life and in one sense of the word there's nothing wrong with that you're still saved but i want to grow i want to mature in this relationship with god i want to be established where uh, I still need a pastor, I still need people in my life, but I'm not so codependent on them by being persuaded by every wind of doctrine, by being, by being immature all my life. As a child, I grew so I learned math, so I don't have to go to my parents, Mom, what's two plus two? You know, I don't have to have her add all my things, I don't, have to tell, I don't have to have her call me every day, Dave, brush. did you brush your teeth today? You know, I, 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 hopefully I'm mature, you know, that just wouldn't go well. Uh, you know, it just, it doesn't look well. Now, there's times that still need to be reminded to the rest of my days. You know, my wife, I have my wife now. But uh, anyway, but sometimes those things are good. But there's a difference between maturity, and that takes time There's a process, and there, there's a discipline, there's a, this, and everything I'm describing is called discipleship. It's being a disciplined learner. It's going through the process of learning, and maturity, and growth, and there's some growing pains at the beginning. But as you become mature, it becomes second nature. I'm reminded them to brush my teeth. Sometimes I need a reminder, maybe because I was tired, had a long day, or whatever was going on. But, uh, you know, but, but uh, there are certain things now that because I've been walking with God, I've been a student. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Of God's Word, I've been taught good teaching. I'm grounded in some foundational teachings about healing, about salvation about different things because I've been taught. And even though I've been taught, even though I know those things, there are times where I still need to be reminded. I know basic math because I still use it. I use a calculator. Sometimes I still use my fingers. But I know basic math, you know? Um, but I don't know algebra anymore, geometry anymore, because I don't use it. I learned to know one time. I graduated. I, I, I couldn't graduate from high school. But I may never it to a certain point. Now, you just can't graduate if you don't pass math to a certain level. Uh, But I don't use it every day. And so, just because we know some things or we've been taught some things, even as we were born again, we need to be retaught those things. We need to be reminded of those things. We need to be nurturing those things. We need to be exercising those things and doing our homework, so to speak, so that we don't go rusty in those areas. Because those areas where we're not mature, the enemy knows that. And the enemy will use things in our lives, other voices, other doctrines, other teachings, to trip us up, to mess us up, to to tempt us to go down a path that we shouldn't go, or to get our theology all confused about healing, about righteousness, about other things, if we're not mature, if we're not growing in that. And just because we've grown in that, we need to continue steadfastly in the Apostles' doctrine. These three thousand people that God added to the church—they needed to be taught. They were born again, and one day they were born again. But they needed to go to the school of discipleship, the school of being discipled in the apostles' doctrine. Peter and the, the, the early apostles have some work to do. When you go fishing and you catch fish, that's great, but you got to clean those fish. You got, you know, different things. And and when you have a bunch of babies. Great, but you're going to have some diapers for a while. You're going to have some milk bottles for a while. You're going to be walking up in the middle of the line sometimes. There's there's, there's a process. It's growing pains for not only the child, but sometimes the parent. There's some work to do. And we need to grow. And and just because you eventually graduate from diapers and graduate from nursery, as an adult, there's going to be some other learning curves. Getting your first job and learning some things relationships with friends and some things, they just—they become more complicated. They become more hurtful. They become—and If you don't learn some of those things, you can, you can go the rest of your job, life without a job or without a decent job, or broken relationships, or a broken marriage. Anytime you have a new marriage, that's why we have marriage counseling. We have different things that help us. I'm not getting off on some tangents here, but we need to be a student of God's Word. We need, and that's where some of these things come in their handy, fellowship and breaking it bread. We'll get into some of those things. That we need to have a, a regular diet of, a, and everything I'm describing really is having a relationship with God, having a relationship with His Word, and having some system, some discipline, some discipleship, because the disciple is a disciplined learner, where we are being taught regularly. And really, if you read the context of this, don't get dizzy on me, but the early church, they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. It was a daily thing. The church culture in the West here, we do it once a week. Sometimes twice a week. So, and whatnot. And I'm not trying to get down on anyone. I'm not trying to mandate something. But uh, I know when I got, you know, I grew up in a good Christian home. and, and uh, uh, But finally, I remember in high school, I got a fire for God. And I wanted to be... A Bible study every night a week, and sometimes I thought I was weird. Sometimes I was told I was weird, but if I was weird, they were weird. <laughs> they did it, and so you know, and you know, you know, when I hear the testimonies of Lawson Purdue and Dwayne Sheriff and Andrew Womack and other people, I'm just using them. As, they wanted to be a church every day, you know. And Lawson has some. Arguments with his dad about borrowing the car. He wanted his, him to borrow the car to go go on a date, get a wife. Probably did. Eventually move out of the house and on in, 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 in good terms. But he wanted to go borrow the car to go to Bible study. He one time he even tricked his dad. Dad, I got a date tonight. He goes, Dad, good. He, so he got to borrow the car. He goes, Who's the date? Jesus. <laughs> he got to go time. that. Dad, go ahead, go. You know. And so it, it's good. And I. I Again, I said something at the beginning, we need to do these things in proper balance. I know we have a job. I know we have families. I know we have things in life. But at the same point in time, in that diet, everything that we're balancing, we need to have a regular diet of the Word of God. We need to also have a regular diet. See, one thing I see here, too, going back to verse 46, is they continue to step fastly in the temple and house to house. You know, what we try to do here on Sunday mornings is more, we don't have a temple, we don't have a church uh, building. But this is more of a lecture type of setup. Uh, I don't like to use the word lecture because we're not a lecture. Uh, but at the same point in time, it's this type of setup. On Sunday nights and Saturday nights when we have our Bible studies, it's round. It's it, 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 interaction, people involved. And uh, uh, I've been to some Bible studies where there's foot washing and there's, there's a, they're sharing a meal together. We're going to get into some of that when we get a little later in our study. And I think everyone needs to experience both. I think we need to have something where, where you're sitting under. I'm not an apostle, but we where we sit under teaching where we are taught. I can't uh, I can't teach systematically necessary in a round round setting all the time. Even though I do teach on Sunday and Sunday, Saturday nights, it's that's not so much the structure. The structure is have a Bible study together. To state in the Word of God together. Uh, and that, I think that's important too. Where we get to minister to one another on a little more intimate level at the body of Christ. And I think everyone needs to experience both of that. Where the body of Christ is intimate. Some, and we'll get into some of that when we get into fellowship and breaking bread. But we also need a time where we are taught the apostles doctrine. Where we are taught, we are grounded in the Word of God. And where God has given gifts to the church, apostles, uh, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The work of ministry what, what, what work in the ministry? The work of the ministry of, build, of edifying, of building up the body of Christ. My job is to help equip you to minister to one another. And the, the, I believe in many ways the temple is where the, the apostles' doctrine was being taught, but the house of house was also when the body of Christ was ministering to one another. Uh, and you see that in the context. And uh, praying to God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added, the church being saved, let's go back. Uh, I mean, you see this in verse 44 and 45. Now all who believed together had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among and one had need. And I'm not saying we necessarily have to do it in that way, but the church was being a body. The church was being intimate. The church was was caring about the needs of one another. And whatnot, and, and um, I believe a lot of this was a result of being grounded in good teaching, being grounded in good fellowship. And they got into the, the body became a body. Just like just like uh, as we grow, we become a family in our in our homes. Usually, it starts out with the parents taking care of the kids, and then as they grow, everyone's taking care of each other. And sometimes at as the as parents' age, the kids are taking care of the parents. And, and so it's and so, a family. That's how, we, that's how families work. That's how the body of Christ works. But we have to have a relationship with God so everything else can work horizontally. That makes sense? And uh, uh, I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself with some of my notes, but we need to have a, a relationship with God. We need to be grounded in the Apostles' Doctrine. Let me I switch gears a little we'll bit here. Let's go to Second Timothy chapter 3. Verse 12. So, one of my points I'm trying to make so far, I you know I said a lot of different things, is that we need to be grounded in the apostles' doctrine so that we're not tossed to it by every word of doctrine. Um, we understand the Old Testament. But okay, verse 12. And Paul's speaking, speaking he says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer. Persecution. I want to pause here just for a moment. This is not the scope of my message right now, but I started here because it's in the context of what Paul's saying here. But let me just emphasize what Paul is saying. He says, And all, do you know what all means in Greek? All. All doesn't mean some. All doesn't mean a few. All doesn't mean most. All means all. All who desire. To live godly in Christ Jesus may or will, will suffer persecution. Again, this is not the scope of my message I'm not talking about persecution right now. But in context, Paul is dealing with that. Who's Timothy? Paul's writing to Timothy. Timothy is a, a young pastor. He is a disciple of Paul. He is an apprentice of Paul. Paul's teaching him. Paul's training him to be a good pastor. To be a good man of God, so Timothy, in many ways, is his student, his disciple. Okay, and he's telling Timothy, all who desire to live in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Again, I, I know this, it's the third time I said this. That's not the script of my teaching, but I want to just make a note here. In other words, if if we are not suffering persecution, then there's a chance that we are not living God or we are not making a stand, we're, really, we're in a very corrupt culture. And, and, and actually, in this fits what we're teaching somewhat, because even Peter said, I, I, uh, let's go real quick to back to the Acts. Uh, verse 40, And with any other words he, Peter, testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Um, so he was. He, he was telling. Now, I said this last week. If that generation was perverse, this generation is also very perverse. We see it in our society. We see it on the news. We see what's going on in our society and our, our culture today. Not just in America, but worldwide. we have seen a lot of perverseness going on uh, in the world. And I. But in a and, 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 and perverse society, when you want to live godly, you will stand out. When we, when we stand out for morality, when we stand out for godliness, when we stand stand for uh, purity and different things in our culture, we have been persecuted. Now, we not, might not be persecuted like they are in some countries where it's life or death. But our, if our country is not careful, it's going in that direction. And we might, and as we have stand for some principles, even as pastors in this church, even as small as the churches we are, there have been some areas where we've already been, in a sense, persecuted. Um, The ones who are not usually persecuted are the ones who are just, they're safe Christians in a sense, they won't stand for godliness. And I'm not talking about just being out there protesting and different things. There's a place for that at times, in a sense, in the right manner, in the right way. But I don't I don't apologize for the Apostles' doctrine that I am indoctrinated. I don't apologize for the cross. I don't apologize for the family. I don't apologize for how God be my creator. I don't apologize for uh, morality and, and godliness. I don't apologize for the things. In many of those things, I will preach a bold I believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father soon. I be- We've been persecuted because of healing. I believe Jesus, by his stripes, we were healed. Jesus dealt with our our, our sickness of the cross. And as we desire to live godly in a, in a godless generation, in a godless society, there will be persecution. Now, it might come in different levels. It might come in different means. It might not come where it's life and death, where you're being stoned, thrown in a lion's den, or, or crucified on the cross. It may come to that. In some countries, that is happening, or, or worse. But, but uh, all who desire to love God is, someone, someone's not going to like it. The, 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 and most of the persecution doesn't always come from the world. It comes from the religious church. It happened with the apostles. It happened with Jesus. The more Jesus preached about healing, the more that Jesus healed up the synagogue and healed on the Sabbath, they wanted to kill him. They wanted to, they wanted to keep Paul quiet. They wanted to keep the apostles quiet. And so I'm not going to bow down. I'm not going to be soft on preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm also not going to go out there and do something stupid. I'm not going to do something, I'm not trying to make ways and make ways. I'm not trying to the, I don't want to bring attention to me. I want to bring attention to Jesus. And I'm not here to, to make problems, I'm not here to make war, I'm here to bring peace. But in one sense, but at the same point in time, I'm not going to compromise the message. In my life and in my doctrine. Does okay, that, that makes sense? Again, that's not the main, major scope of my message, but it's there. Verse 14 now, uh verse 15. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. In it's still in the same context of what I just talked about. <clears throat> Paul, this is Paul, the apostle, the apostle of grace. He says, evil man and apostles will grow worse and worse. And we're seeing that happen in our culture. We're seeing that happen in our society. It happened in his day, it's happening in our day. And we also know that the enemy, the Satan, the devil, is a deceiver. That's his number one weapon, is deceiving people. He's done that since the garden. He deceived Adam and Eve. Or Eve, and then, and, and likewise Adam. But uh, man, evil man, will be deceiving, and and will be deceived. Uh, you know what? Then the worst thing about being deceived is you don't know it. When you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. If you knew you were deceived, you're not deceived. Um, now, some people are just flat out rebellious and flat out evil, but some people are being deceived. And we have seen that a lot, especially in the last few years. But you must continue in the things which you have learned. I'm bringing this, because Paul is telling Timothy, yes, the days are evil. And yes, you may, stand, may endure persecution because you're standing God. But you, no matter what is going on, no matter what happens in our society, no matter what our other people are doing, you must continue in the things which you have learned. That's important, that's powerful. Are we seeing what Paul is doing here? And been assured of knowing from whom you have learned. How, where did I learn what I know? I learned it from good teachers like Andrew and whatnot, but I also learned it from the scriptures, from Paul and whatnot who were inspired by the Holy Spirit. I know about the cross because of what Jesus, the Holy Spirit, through Paul and through others who have preached with the apostles' teachings, preached the apostles' doctrine. So, in other words, if you peel back the onion far enough, I know what I know based on the apostles' doctrine. I know what I know because Paul preached it. I know what I did because Jesus preached it. I know what I did because the Word of God says it. And People like Paul preached it, and yes, people like Andrew and Joseph Prince and others have taught it as well. But I know it ultimately because God has taught me through His Word, through the Apostles' Doctrine. And what the Apostles, and I need to continue steadfastly, the church continues steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine, Fellowship, Breaking the Bread of Prayer, so We're focusing on the Apostles' Doctrine right now. But in an evil society, even in a good society, we need to continue steadfastly in the apostle's doctrine. But all the more, but you must continue to steadfast in the things which you've learned and been assured of, knowing from whom they have learned things. You know, even growing up as a child, and I remember in junior high, I was in sixth grade, I started hanging around with a bunch of boys that were not a good crowd. They were not a good influence. And if I had continued down that path, who knows where I would be today. But I also knew in the back of my mind, when all that was transpiring, and it was always very subtle, different things. It was kind of like someone dangling the carrot. And one of my biggest things, that has always been my biggest thing, from a child even now, is I've always wanted good friends. I've always desired that. And at the time, I didn't have good friends. I didn't have a friend. And so someone who was going to be friendly was attractive someone who would like me for me, was very appealing. And went at the, but I also knew as we began to hang out with this group, I also knew they're talking about things and they're going to do things that my parents didn't teach me. My pastor didn't teach me. Sunday school class didn't teach me. God hasn't taught me. And I was starting to go down a path of not continuing in the things that I learned knowing who, who, who I'm just using my example as an example. But in these, in these last days, the number one thing the enemy's going to use is deception. And he will use deception even from a pulpit, from a church, from children being taught, from, uh, from, doc, uh, from, from every wind of doctrine. But we, as the body of Christ, as believers, we need to be so grounded and established In the apostles' doctrine, in truth, what Paul taught, what Peter taught, what what Jesus taught. uh, So that we are, we we need to continue in those things because there are going to be other teachings, other doctrines, other things will happen in society. And some things that are in society, from from one perspective, they sound good, they look good, they even sound biblical. But if we are not continuing in the apostles' doctrine and knowing from whom we have learned now, I'm not trust my faith is not in Andrew. My Well Mac, I'm using him as an example. My faith is in the Jesus and the gospel that Andrew pointed me to. in the in the doctrine that Andrew taught me. In. And even what Andrew taught me, there's a scripture in the book of Acts that, like the church in Thessalonica, they they went they went back to the Word of God, and see if these things be so. With a spirit of readiness, they, they search the Scriptures for themselves. Everything that Andrew's taught me, everything that other pastors have taught me, I need to go back to the Apostles' Doctrine, to the Word of God, and see if these things be so. I'm not grounded in Andrew, I'm grounded in the Word of God. I'm grounded in the Apostles' Doctrine. I'm grounded in Jesus. Because that will save me. From being deceived, that will save me from going down a wrong direction. That will save me from being a child tossed to and fro every everyone of doctrine. That will save me and getting into some wrong theology that can totally mess up my life. And some people that we pastor and minister to, we love them. They're asking the right questions. They need needs. But there's a lot of there's a lot of bad doctrine that we have to unpeel. We have to get. A lot of sacred cows we have to undo so that we can, uh, 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 and they're teachable, we can do that. There's some teaching we had that we had to undo. And uh, now that everything we knew was bad, and I'm not blaming anyone who's taught us, I'm blaming what we learned. And maybe someone taught it well, but the way I perceived it was wrong. And so I developed a doctrine that was wrong. And so uh, it's not about a blame game, it's about Me being grounded and taking responsibility to be a student of God's word. Yes, listening to good teachers, but making sure I'm going back to the word of God, searching these things to be so myself. And let the Holy Spirit be my ultimate teacher. Let him be, he's a spirit of truth. Let him teach me. Let him tell me, yes, Dave, this is the way walking in. This is true. And be grounded now. But there's there's importance of being continuing in the things you have learned. And been assured of. Knowing from whom you have learned, does this make sense? <coughs> and from not, and from uh, uh, let me read this again in context because there's, like there's a conjunction right here. But you must continue the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from your childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. Paul is exhorting Timothy. This is 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy is the very last book that Paul wrote. It's his last letter to his apprentice. He's, in, in, in context, if you know the history, he's about ready to, to, to be persecuted. He's about ready to be martyred. Uh, he's writing his last words. He's exhorting young Timothy, and he's exhorting us who are also hearing the same message that we need to continue in the teachings that we have learned, knowing from whom we have taught learned them, and that from our childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able, the Scriptures, not, not Paul, not other people, but the Scriptures, the Word of God. And the Scriptures are not the ink. The Word of God is a person, and His name is Jesus. And, but we want to see it from a New Testament perspective, not an Old Testament perspective the Holy Scriptures, which are able. The Scriptures, are. if we will learn in them, if we will continue them, if we will have a diet of God's Word and be established, we will become wise in salvation. That's maturity. Just like a child becomes wise and, 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 and just responsibility and different things as a sign of maturity as they grow in a, in a, in a vocation, a career. Being a good mom, being a good dad, taking care of their home, paying their bills, having responsibilities, having a job, being responsible, being good, uh, even in school, uh, getting good grades, and having a good. Uh, 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 my parents were not so important about the grades, but they were on my report card. I also got a citizenship grade. They weren't okay if if I had good grades, but I had a bad attitude in class. They want to make sure I also had a good grades, but I also had s or an O for good citizenship I was I was behaving myself and that's maturity both both we need both and uh, we, but the scriptures will make us wise and uh, I forget what I was just saying a minute ago I'm lost my train of thought but in other words you tell, you show me someone who is not a student of God's word. they're not they might be saved. I love them. I'm not condemning them, I'm not looking down at them. I don't, I don't think twice. I'm not looking down on anybody. That's not what I'm trying to get at. But I want to grow. I want to mature. And I know in my own life, there's been seasons in my life where I've not been in the Word of God like I should. I've not had a regular diet of the Word of God. And in those seasons when I, when I have put the Word down and I haven't been in the Word, I haven't had a relationship, I just know in my life I'm not as wise as I once was. I, I'm like the grass that looks like it hasn't been watered in a while. I, 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 you know I, And so I get out of shape. I'm like the Tin Man in the Wizard of Oz. I just can't seem to function. I'm like the, the scarecrow who doesn't have a brain. You know? And uh, it's not because I don't have a physical brain. It's not because, you know, all of a sudden I just uh, be... Uh, but, but I haven't had a regular diet of God's Word. I'm not being nurtured. And like the Tin Man, I just got rusty. But we have to nourish ourselves. We have to, we have to have a good diet, because the, the Word of God will make us wise. And if the people who are teaching us are using the Scriptures and they're using them properly, uh, we'll grow in our wise for salvation through our faith, which is in Christ Jesus. think it make any sense? Paul's teaching Timothy. He's a pastor, yes. So he is a person of influence. But even then, he also did tell. <laughs> In the same book, he tells, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Let people see your progress. So that, <coughs> Jesus said this way in Matthew 5, 16, I Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. People should see our progress. Not to glorify us. Not to esteem us in that sense. But to glorify him. But some of us, we're not making any waves. But we're also, we're, some have just been so complacent and so empty and dry because they're not feeding on the Word of God. You know, on our one thing I love about our Bible study on Sunday night is everyone who's been coming on a regular basis, I can tell by their attitude, their heart, and just by their faithfulness, they're hungry for God's Word. They're hungry for fellowship. They're hungry for you can see it in the questions they ask. You can tell it in their demeanor. You can tell it. And, and that is a good place. That is a healthy place. You know, and some of them come from uh, travel to get here and whatnot. And that is a good place. It's just like any parent or any pastor, that's a good thing they want to see. Not that I'm necessarily their pastor. but It's not about that. It just in the moment that I'm teaching, in the moment where we're facilitating a Bible study. And it just, I love to see people who are maturing and growing in Christ. None of us have it all together. I don't have it all together. I make mistakes. But you know what? I make more mistakes when I'm not in a different relationship with God. And I do things of my own wisdom, my own thoughts, my being wise in my own eyes. Um, but instead of uh, let, trusting the Lord with all my heart, leaving the, and, and, and not being wise in my own eyes, and letting Him guide and direct my steps, I'm being wise into salvation. You know, when Sherry, Sherry and I went to Bible college uh, a few years back, we just become wiser. Not that we, uh, you know, not we're not wiser out of vocation. We just become sharper and wiser because the Word of God will make you wise. A relationship with God, as you continue steadfastly. But you know what? again. I, I just said it. But there've been times I've put this book down, and I became dull. I became unwise, and so I've done. Very foolish, stupid things when I'm not in relationship with God in a healthy, balanced way. That makes sense. You just can't. You just naturally you can't grow if you don't eat. You can't grow spiritually if you don't eat. You can't mature. And even if you're eating, but all you're eating is a bunch of junk, you're still not. You you might be growing, but maybe not the way you want to grow. You know, uh, the stomach will grow and the fat will grow. But we also need to. We also need nutrients. We need vitamins. We need protein, and we need a good diet. And to, to, the body needs those things so the body can function in a healthy manner. Does that make sense? And um, almost out of time. But it's in this context that Paul also writes: All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's powerful for doctrine, for reproof, for Direction for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, or perfect, or mature, duly through, equipped for every good work. I want to be. I want to be equipped. I want to be. Don't worry about my highlights those for another teaching, but uh, um, I want to be equipped. I want to be completed to do whatever. Not just as a pastor, but as a husband, in life, in society, among family and friends. Uh, I, want, I, I, want, I want that for everyone who's listening, for anyone who's in the body of I want them to fulfill their destiny, and their purpose in every area of their life, every vocation of their life, as a parent, as a grandparent, as a, a spouse, or in some cases, still as a child, you know, and whatever the case may be. Um, but I want to be complete for every good work, and I need the scriptures to, I need all the scriptures to indoctrinate me, to reprove me at times, to correct me at times, to instruct me at times, in righteousness. Righteousness. The, all, uh, Paul's, Paul says in, in Romans chapter 1 that I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, therein what the gospel is the righteousness revealed. When you are been when you've been taught the gospel, you are being indoctrinated and instructed in righteousness. That makes. I hope that makes sense. I've taught it that before, uh, not so much as part of my teaching right now, but just a. Again, I, I can tie this whole doctrine, reproof, correction, training in righteousness back to the apostles' doctrine, being taught righteousness, being taught. And when we're indoctrinated, reproved corrected, and trained in righteousness properly, we will be a man or woman of God who are complete we're mature, or perfected, and thoroughly equipped for every good work. My job as a pastor, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So my job as a pastor is to indoctrinate, to reprove, to correct, to train people in righteousness. Not in my authority, but in the Word of God. Not because I'm trying to lord it over people, but I'm trying to, as a shepherd, as a pastor, as, uh, uh, as a gift to the church, to help people along the path of being not grounded in me, but grounded in the Word, grounded in Him. I want them to be established in righteousness for themselves so that they can be equipped for every good work, so that they don't, won't be, excuse me as a scroll, deceived, so that they will be wise unto salvation on the bottom of the screen, But so that they will grow mature, and they won't, be, they won't be messed up by the things happening in our world. And even when persecution should come, because Paul said it will, that they will, will, they won't wither, they won't grow in fear, but they will be strong and bold in the things of God. And that makes sense. And if we're not equipped, the enemy, we, enemy can try. <coughs> he can try to take us out with bad doctrine. He can try to take us out with all kinds of things, including persecution. He wants to take us out. But if we will grow wide and establish in him, no matter what the enemy throws at us, we can overcome it by the power of the word, and by the word of our testimony, and by the word of God, by the blood of Jesus Christ. We can overcome it. We can be bold. That because the apostles were grounded in the, the right doctrine, right teaching, when they were, went through things. Paul went through a lot of different things. Jesus went through a lot of different things. And in these last days, we will go through things. We just finished talking about the, the, the book of Revelation. And I, I spent didn't spend so much time talking about all the things that will happen. One of my main things I wanted to teach people is to have a relationship with Jesus, the living word. Because when you have a relationship with Jesus, you know, when the storms of life come, persecution comes, and the things that are going to come on this earth come, Jesus needs to be our anchor. We need to not get so focused on the things happening in the earth, we need to focus on Jesus and keep our focus on Jesus. But if we are not disciplined, if we're not wise in salvation, if we haven't been trained by the scriptures to do so, if we haven't been indoctrinated, we can be tossed by everyone else. We can be shriveled up and, 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 and go into our little closet when persecution comes. And I'm not saying in some cases, like some countries when there's an underground church, Sometimes that's needed in, a, to, in that sense. But when, when, uh, that doesn't mean they're not going to stand up for the gospel. That doesn't mean they're not going to stop. That doesn't mean if, if worse comes to worse, they're not going to stand up for their faith. But they're, they're doing the underground church because they want to keep the gospel going. They want to feed people and disciple people. Whether our life would ever come with the line, they're not going to bow down to the, to, to the fish for the cross. They're, they're, uh, that making sense? Uh, and so there, there's sometimes there's, and, and when You know, when we have a relationship with God, God will give us wisdom. I mean, I just think of the, I've been thinking a lot about it lately, uh, Tori, uh, uh, Tori. And, uh, you know, just the, the consecration camps, the things that she went through. But because she was grounded in God, no matter what happened to her, they, she even told him, if I say it right, you can do everything you want to me, but you can't make me hate you. And there's times that she, and the flesh, wanted to. But she was grounded in the Word of God, where they could not take that love out of her heart, despite what they did to her.
1: And I'm not, and I'm not
0: promoting things that are going to happen, but the Bible says that they are. And I don't know when and how they will. And I, You know, things happen, but when we're grounded in the Word of God, indoctrinated by the Word of God in the right teachings, we want we won't, one we won't be confused by. It will know how to handle it. We're going to be And that is, When that happens, it's awesome. That's mature. See, a child doesn't know what to do when danger comes. What do they do? They cry up a mom, dad, or whoever, whoever the authority figure is around. But the dad, who was a child at one time, is now the protector of the home. The mom and dad protecting her children like a mother hen and a mother bear. In our times, you know, but they have a mom, a dad, he should know what to do. David, you know, he, he, was, he goes on the scene of Goliath. And the king Saul of all people should know what to do. The armies of Israel should have known what to do. But here's this little shepherd boy just bringing cheese and crackers to his butter because his dad told him to. He comes on the scene and he knows who his God is. And then we're going to get into that when we get to breaking the bread. We'll get into covenant. And uh, but when he knew, because he was so indoctrinated into covenant relationship with God, when the bear came, he knew what to do. When the lion came, he knew what to do. When Goliath appeared on the scene, he knew what to do. He wasn't trained in military strategy. He wasn't trained in different things. I don't even know if he was trained how to kill a bear and a lion. I don't think they had those classes for him when he became a shepherd. He was the least of the least, and as. Uh, the, being a shepherd in the family was one of the least lowly jobs. And it was just somewhere they just kind of put him out there. But he was taking care of his father's sheep. And he knew who his God was. And he knew how to overcome the lion and the bear and a lion because he knew who his God was. He was grounded in God's word. And, that's, and I know using in the Old Testament strategy. But you read the Psalms. You read Psalm 119, the longest Psalm. I mean, I remember... I remember growing up, I got an allowance, and part of my allowance was not just cleaning my room, but also reading my Bible. And when I came across Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, I said, yeah, can I get a raise? I just read read Psalm 119. It worked one time, then it worked twice. But uh, Psalm 119, every other verse is talking about how Paul and David just loved God's precepts. He loved God's word, his law, his precepts. And uh, he just, he had a desire for God. Uh, And so, um, anyway, just uh, running out of time. Let me just uh, quote a few things as we kind of wrap it up. And then we'll pick it up next week and then get into the fellowship. As we talk about the Word of God, I'm going to use a few scriptures real quick here. We're going random. Let's go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 105. my feet and our light to my path and you know we need that we need that in a dark world and sometimes you know one probably one of the biggest things we get as pastors people come and pray for us they need wisdom they're at a fork in the road they don't know which way to go right or left their heart is they want to make the right decision they want to go down. they want to please the lord but they also know that they they want to make the right decision Well, his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In a dark world where some of our decisions we make are not necessarily popular, they're not always politically correct. In our society, some decisions we make for our families and for our lives are not always accepted by society. But his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If persecution arises and increases in different things, his word is a lamp unto my feet. And a line to my path. It was for Cory to move. And yeah, it was for others. Um, let's do another one real quick. Uh, let's go to, right, well. Well, um, This is a combination of a couple scriptures, so I'll just kind of quote this to you. Well, actually, let's go here real quick. First Peter, chapter 2. We went here a week or two ago. First Peter 2, we'll pick it up. And verse 2. He says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. As babes, as children, we need to desire the pure milk of God's word, so we can grow, so we can taste his grace. Some people... Have not tasted His grace. They, and they have in the sense that they become saved, but in the same way that we receive grace is the same way that we walk in Him. And we need to have a, a desire for the milk of God's word so we continue to taste His grace. Our faith, faith comes by the word of God. Then we can grow. The word of God helps help, help us to grow. Jesus in Matthew four four, you don't have to turn there, but Jesus when He was encountered by temptation by the enemy, He used the word of God. To counter everything the enemy threw at him. And one of those uh, times he says, Man shall not live by bread alone. He's quoted from Deuteronomy chapter eight verse three. But man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Our diet is not the natural bread. There's a point for that naturally and physically. But spiritually speaking, our diet Amen. is the word of God. And Amen. so we, we need the word of God. We need His, His word. We need to desire the pure mouth of God's word. I forget what this one is, but let's we'll turn to First Peter chapter 1, verse tw- Yeah, First Peter chapter 1. Oh, I don't know what this is. We'll start in verse 23. Ignore my highlights. Where it says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed through the word of God, which abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flowers, and, it, and its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. The gospel is, in essence, well, of what we're teaching: the apostles' doctrine, the apostles' teaching, and you know. We were born again, not by corruptible seed, Adam. Ignore ignore the green right now, but an incorruptible seed By what? The Word of God. That's how we became born again, is the Word of God. The the grass will wither. He's quoted from Isaiah. The grass will wither, the flowers will fall. But the Word of God endures forever. No matter what happens in this world, no matter what happens in life, things are going to happen naturally. But God's word will be constant. God's word is our anchor. It's our, his name is our, is, our, is our shelter. It's a, it's a place of refuge. It's, a, it's our tower. It's our strong tower. We can trust the word of God. And we that's why he's te- Paul's teaching Timothy in an evil generation, an evil society that's deceiving and being deceived. Continue in God's word. Knowing by whom you've been taught it. Continue steadfastly in the Apostle's doctrine. Knowing by who you've been taught it. Because you can trust God. You can trust His Word. You might not always be able to trust men. You might not always be able to trust even good men that we esteem now. But we can trust God's Word. That makes sense? I love, I thank God for the church. I thank God for people like Andrew. But even Andrew's trying not trying to put our faith in Him. We need to have our faith in and you won't be there. And you can't be there. And you can make mistakes, but God will never. His word will be constant. Okay, that makes sense. We need to have a constant diet of God's word. Let's go to Psalm one hundred and seven. Okay, we'll figure out verse twenty. Every aspect of God's word, but he sent his word and healed them. And delivered them from their destructions. Psalm 107 verse 20. He sent his word and healed them. And delivered them from all the destructions. Is there something trying to destroy your life? A sickness? A relationship? Lack? An addiction? A weakness in your flesh. His word will live you. His word will deliver you. His word will be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Destruction might be happening all around you. But his word will endure forever. Continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. No matter what happens, everything else might be decaying, everything else might be withering like the grass. But you will grow. You will mature. You will be you will grow. You will bloom you know, and you will be you'll be that strong tower. Not because of you, because Christ is in you for others. That makes sense? When things are falling apart, and in our world they're falling apart. And hopefully they will talk to us who can point them to Christ. But if we're weak ourselves, if we're far by our, ourselves. You know, I and, know and how many people have come back to us at times. Even those who didn't like us or got mad at us for whatever reason. But as we, by God's grace, have made, remain constant in God's word. Not because we've done everything right all the time. But we remain constant in God's word. Some of those people come back. Some of those people who just kind of brush us off through the years. When they have a need, when their life is on the line, they have come. Not because we're anything good, but because Christ is in us. And we have an answer. We have the word of God that endures forever. And anyway, I uh, uh, hope we got this ministry to you. Let's go with another one, Psalm one eighteen. back to Psalm 118. Sorry, We could have hit this earlier. Psalm one nineteen verse eleven. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I know this is Old Testament, but the principle is still there. I want His word in my heart, so I'm not led to temptation. Not just temptation, to sin. Even no though that. What the scripture says, but also temptation to doubt, to go into fear, to worry, to give up, to quit, to not forgive someone, to not show mercy and compassion, to turn my back on somebody, whatever the case may be. But all that, and actually anything that's not a faith, the word of God says is sin. And so I want to hide his word in my heart so I don't just go down the road of sin. I'm But we know it, addiction and immorality and whatnot, But also, anything that's not a faith is sin. To know to do good and don't do it is sin. I don't want to be so self-centered. An island to myself that I can't reach out and minister to others who might be in need. I don't want to, there's so many aspects of sin I can talk about. But I want to hide His Word in my heart so I won't be deceived and I won't be deceiving others. I want to hide His Word in my heart that I can grow thereby. I don't want to see if someone who's caught up in a sin or addiction or temptation, in that, in that moment, in that instance, in, in, that, in that issue, they're not growing. They're decaying. They're dying. Sin is like a cancer. Sin will destroy your life. The wages of sin is death. And I don't want sin in my heart of any way, shape, or form, even an ounce of it. I want to hide His word in my heart that I may not sin against sin. I want to glorify him. I am to bring glory to him. I want fruit and life to come out of my life. I don't want death. I don't want destruction. I've been redeemed from sin. He took my sin. I don't want to continue in it anymore. I don't want it in my life. I don't want the effects of it. I don't want it in my mind. I don't want it anywhere. I'm not just talking about immorality. And stuff. That can all that all applies. But just, just even uh, anything that's naturally minded. I don't want that. I don't want to think naturally. I want to think... Spiritually, because to be naturally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. I want to, Andrew said that we're not living supernaturally, we're living superficially. I want to live as a righteous God. I want to live to my full potential. I want to grow, mature, be fruitful, and be a blessing to the body of Christ. And be a blessing to society. Even the ones who are, in a sense, spinning my face, I want to bless them. I want to speak grace over them. I want to love them. Not through the flesh, because my flesh is not going to do that. Someone who's persecuting me, someone who's being mean to me. My flesh is going to react. But by the grace of God, I want to show Christ to them. I want to be merciful to them. I want, as the sign says in our house, mercy reigns in this house. By the grace of God. And by having a diet of God's word and his his word being in my heart. And that that, that word being like a seed in my heart grows and matures. Like an oak of righteousness. So that I can be... Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to heal the brokenhearted and to set the captives free, that I might be an oak of righteousness with the display of his glory. In a dark and perverse generation, in a generation that doesn't want God, that is promoting filth of all kinds, in, in a church, in, in a religious part of the church that is being deceived, and, and religion and different things. I want to be a light and a strong tower for the glory of God that can set them free, that they can be a disciple, continuing in God's word, which actually. Is, actually, let's go there. John 8. That was my last scripture for today. John 8. I'll we'll pick up verse 30. Sorry, uh, I didn't mean to lose that momentum. But I wanted to... Uh, we will pick up verse 30. I read what about verse 30, 1, and he, Jesus, spoke these words, words, and many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham, Abraham. I'm not going to go that right now. See, if we continue in His Word, if we abide continuing His Word, we're His disciples, a disciplined learner. And if we are a disciple, a disciplined learner, because we're continuing Word, we will know the truth. And the truth that we know will make us free. The truth can't make you free if you don't know. The truth can't, it's powerful, the seed is powerful, there's power in that seed, everything you need is in that seed, but if you don't know it, you won't appropriate it, and we need to continue in his word, being his disciple, so we know the truth, so it has the power, the capacity to set us free. Why does it have the capacity to set us free? Because we water it. That word is a seed, but until we water it, that apple seed is an apple seed. It's, it's supposed to produce apples, and, and those apples are more seeds to produce more apples. There's, everything we need is in the We can sell the apples. We can build a house with the apple tree. We can do everything with the apples. Everything we need is in the apple tree. I'm just using the apple seed as an example. But if we don't water it with the word, the, the seed is the word, but we water it with the word so it grows. We're fertilizing it with the word. We nurture it with the word. What's the soil? Our heart. And we have the garden in the heart. We need to get the weeds out by the word of God. We need to nurture that by the word of God so it can grow. And as we grow, being disciple, growing healthy, growing mature. An apple tree that's not fertilized, Robert, it's not getting the right sunlight. It's not getting the right word. It can be a seed in the ground, but if you don't water it, it's not going to grow. If you don't fertilize it in proper sunshine, it's not going to grow. But we have to guard in our heart. If there's too many weeds, too many thorns, the cares of this world, the seedfulness of riches, the care for many things, it won't grow. Even the parable of the sower, there's four kinds of soil. One seed, but four kinds of soil. we got the pavement, the the, thorn, the, the the stony ground, and the thorny ground, and then the good ground that produces 30, 60, 100 fold. All four of them heard the word of God but only one of them heard it and understood it. Understanding is, I mean, as a disciple. Do I understand everything? No. But as I grow, as a child, I didn't understand geometry algebra. Even as a child, I didn't even know how to add, subtract, and multiply. As a young child. But as I went to school, I learned, I began to grow. I began to disciple. I learned things. I, I do better now. I know how to brush my teeth. I know how to do different things. I know how to share, you know. I don't learn how to share my chocolate. But no, I, I, I do it pretty good. It just, uh, but I, it just uh, um, you know, I've learned, I've discipled, I've matured. But I know things. But as we grow and we disciple in the Word of God, and that's why everything we do in this church is trying to facilitate an atmosphere through our teachings, through our Bible studies, through our LDS program, through our, even our website, we have blogs and articles and other teachers on there. And there's other things we want to do. We're going to get into some of that next story next week. But we want to create an environment where you can, you can nurture the soil of your heart. We can't garden your heart for you. We can create the environment and the greenhouse, so to speak, for you to have your tree there. For you to get nurtured and, and have some an expertise that to, to help you, to help doctrinate you, to help reprove and correct and train you and different things. But the whole goal is that you become a disciple, abiding not in us, but abiding in Him, abiding in His Word, so that you can be His disciples indeed. There's a process in there. There's a seed time and harvest. There's a process there. Uh, it, it does, it's not automatic, but there is an effort of laboring into that rest. There's a rest, but there's a, there's a promised land, but we must labor to get into that rest. We must disciple ourselves A disciple the discipline. There's working involved. This is grace, but we need to disciple that. So that we can know the truth. And the truth will make us free. God's truth has set us free from sicknesses. It's set us free from financial things. He's get, he's been a, his word has been a light into our path. He's given us wisdom. We've endured some persecution to a certain level. You know, not, Maybe not as severe as others. We're not boasting in persecution, but we're boasting what God has done in spite of it. And it's been by God's grace. It's been by his word that he's led us. It wasn't for his grace. It wasn't for his word. There's been a lot of times the enemy would have taken us out. In many different ways. In many different fashions. Besides persecution. But no matter what hits us. We need to know his word. We need to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And we're going to continue there. i got a few more notes on this next week. And we'll finish with that. And then we'll uh, go into fellowship next week and see what the Word of God, the Apostles' Doctrine, says about fellowship. And the Word of God has a lot to say about that. There's over 100 scriptures in the New Testament alone about how we serve one another, how we love one another. And there's over 100, in the Apostles' Doctrine alone, just about how we react. But if we don't get this down, we can't. this fellowship won't work. But as we, in fellowship, the word koinonia means partnership, as we are in partnership we can be in partnership with one another, and that's powerful. And it's one thing when we're when we're growing with God, but when we would, when all of us grow with God collectively, and then we grow together, we are an army that the enemy cannot just easily take out. But when we're island to ourselves, you know, and we'll get into some of this stuff next week. Is making sense? But we start here. And whenever you kind of lose your way, and we both have been there or have been on the verge of there, go back to the Apostle's doctrine. Go back to the Word of God. Get back into His presence. You know, just, I mean, even yesterday, I had a busy day. We had some ministry. I had some ministry in the morning with a little man. I had a Bible study last night, but I had a car situation I had to deal with. I had an internet situation I had to deal with. You know, and all that just busyness of life. I just needed some time last night to get back in His presence. Get back into worship. Get back into fellowship. Get back in the Word of God. It wasn't something that was gonna ruin my life, but at the moment it was also in my mind, and just it, and I just needed to detox, from all that stuff, and get back into His presence so that we can grow again. If I if I don't, even if nothing was going on, I separate from the God. The God. I stop abiding in Him. I will wither. Any of us will wither. And Usually when we stop fellowshipping God, the fellowship suffers. The breaking of bread suffers, and the prayer suffers. We'll see, we'll see, you, you can take everything we're going to teach here in a negative area. You'll see, I can usually tell people are not doing good spiritually by how they fellowship, how they pray, how they do the things. I'm not talking about, there's some growth and some, some things that we can learn along the way, but I'm talking about the heart, I'm talking about the attitude, I'm talking about the appetite, I'm talking about the demeanor. Uh, just even a child, you, you know. You ever see uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas time? Maybe you see some relatives you haven't seen in a while, and you can just tell by their attitude and demeanor, even their appearance. You know what? They're doing good, or you know what? Well, I don't know what's going on, but something's not right. Something's not healthy here, and uh, you might not know what's going on. You can just tell by people's attitude and demeanor, even. Their, Sometimes we put, try to put a good mask on, but uh, sometimes we can still tell. We're not able to put our finger on it. That's something's not healthy. And, uh, and so anyway, hopefully this is all making sense. But Lord, we just worship you and saying a lot of different things. But my, my heart, as I believe you put it on my heart, I want people to have a relationship with you and your word. But uh, my heart is to help them with that. My heart is not so much a. big Be a part of this church but my heart, is that they be a part of you. And Lord, we worship you, we magnify you, we glorify you. And Lord, we just thank you for your word. Help us. Help us to become a disciple of Christ. We worship you, we magnify you. Bless this week. Bless each person who's listening. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen and amen. God bless you.